0: Coming up on today's National Talk Podcast, Kyle Schwarber is a national. We're going to talk to David Kaplan of NBC Sports Chicago. He knows Schwarber well, what type of player he is, what type of guy he's going to be in the clubhouse as well. Plus, Tracy Smith, Schwarber's former college coach at Indiana. All of that next, Chase Hughes, Nick Cashew on the National Stock Podcast. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Swing and a wide drive. Base it right field. Max Scherzer has done it again. Do you believe it? Howie Kendrick, part two. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Chase, it hasn't been the busiest offseason around baseball, but at least for the Nationals, they addressed a couple of needs now that we get to get into. We had the Josh Bell signing not too long ago. Now Kyle Schwarber comes to the Nationals. Chase Hughes, Nick Ashew here on the National Stock Podcast. And, you know, we've had this conversation. I, you and I both have, have mentioned his name as a possibility. There are pros and cons to this, clearly, because you get power as long as it's not 2020 Kyle Schwarber. You get a lefty bat. Defense, there's a lot left to be desired. But I will say this, Chase, I am at least happy that they went out and made another move
2: and at least addressed something that they need to do address. Well, they're at least doing something. I mean, as quiet as it seemed for the Nationals, there's a lot of teams around baseball who have done nothing. I saw Jeff Pass in a VSBN tweet the other day that the White Sox are the favorites in the American League because all the other contenders have made zero moves, essentially, and they've stood pat, and that's why they're contenders, or the, the favorites. Uh, as far as this deal, yes, we've been talking about it for a while. We've been going through their options in the outfield. I think we probably, our consensus was that Kyle Schwarber was the third best option you know George Springer was out there Michael Brantley was out there but those guys are going to be more expensive I think Springer's probably going to get more than 20 million per year and Brantley'll get more than 15 million per year so you bring in Kyle Schwarber at 10 million per year and uh, if you look at the structure of the contract it's kind of like 7 million for the first season with a mutual option for the second year and basically what this means is that theoretically they now have more money to use to go out and and pay for a fourth starter which I think even in this suppressed market is going to be pretty expensive
0: yeah, it's you know how I feel about these long-ass contracts in baseball. They're stupid. Not that George Springer's <laughs> going to get a 10- or 12-year deal, but those exist. I don't mind them bringing in somebody on a one-year deal because, one, he feels like he's got something to prove. Two, there's not a lot of commitment for the Nationals on their end, depending on how he plays. and It's not overly expensive. Look, we knew baseball was going to be cheap right now, though, right? Like, there were a lot of teams we were expecting not to spend any money at all, so he probably looked at the market. And I know he said the Nationals were his number one choice, but there's also a very good chance he just said that because he signed with the Nationals and he wants everybody to love him. And I'm okay with that, by the way. That, that's fine. Bryce Harper kept talking about Philly and how much he loved them and visited the stupid Liberty Bell and all these things and think you did not really <laughs> care about all that stuff. But listen, Kyle Schwarber is somebody that fills a need for them and there's not a ton of commitment for them. So sometimes guys in, in, in contract years, you know, they're sometimes a little more motivated and that can also benefit
2: them in the short term. Well, also, this proves to us that they're serious about contending for a title. And it's all relative this offseason, right? Because we're seeing a lot of teams that aren't doing anything at all. Uh, so within the context of this offseason, the Nationals are, are acting like World Series contenders, which is what they said they would do. Um, you know, this, this, is, this addresses several needs. You know, he's not a great defensive player. Uh, it's not a long-term contract. You, you do have some flexibility there. But he's a lefty bat. He's an outfielder, and he gives you some power. You know, you needed some balance in this lineup once Adam Eaton left. You already had a lineup that was all that balance, and you're in a division with some really good right-handed pitchers like Jacob Degrom and Aaron Nola. And if you look at his splits for his career, he slugs 514 against right-handers uh, compared to 348 for lefties. So it's not an even split. Like you look at Juan Soto, he's plus 500 on both sides, but he's a great. Hitter to have in your lineup against those types of players. And look, we've talked a lot this offseason about how the Nationals have a power outage and they need to add power bats. And I'll go through some of the numbers here. They were 21st in homers last year. The top two teams were the Braves and the Dodgers, and they made it all the way to the NLCS. The Nats were 13th in homers in 2019, so they dropped eight spots there. They were also uh, 17th in isolated power and 22nd in hard contact percentage uh, per fan graphs. We're getting into the same metrics here. Oh boy. You are, uh, are you, are you, are you breaking a sweat <laughs> over there? Are you getting excited? Cause I know this really gets your juices. I, I, I am getting a little excited. You know, <laughs> I, I took a little bit of a deep dive and fan is a great site and you can learn so much, Nick, if you just look for it, but uh, they were second in contact percentage last year and third in double. So they made contact. They just didn't have the power of other teams. And now you add Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell. And two years ago, Kyle Schwarber hit 38 homers and Josh Bell hit 37. That's 75 homers, if my math is correct, between the two of them.
0: 30, 30, carry the, yeah. yeah, that seems about right for me. You're the numbers <laughs> guy on this, so we'll go with you on that. I do worry about them defensively, though. I mean, that, that's still something they're going to have to address. And by the way, that's been a problem for the last couple of seasons. I think of that 19-31 start, and one of the biggest things that stood out with that team was their fielding and the errors. I mean, they, they looked atrocious at times out in the field.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, look, I think this puts a lot on Victor Robles in center field to be the guy that we saw in 2019 rather than 2020 because – uh, you know, maybe early on uh, as, as a whole, the team had some defensive issues, but for the major, for the entirety of that season, he was arguably the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball. Uh, you know, if you look at the stat cast numbers and this means Juan Soto going to play in right field and we were pretty encouraged by what we saw last year from him, but Victor Robles is going to have to cover a lot of ground uh, because I think Schwarber out there, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad. It was probably going to be reminiscent of some of the disasters that we've seen in left field for the nationals. Guys like Michael Morris, Adam Dunn, Uh, Late career, Jason Wirth. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman was even out there for a little bit. That was uh, an adventure. So uh, Victor Robles, uh, the Nationals are putting a lot of confidence in him that he can be the guy that we saw in 2019. And let's be honest, that we saw for the majority of his career before that, not only in the majors, but also in the minors as he came up through the ranks uh, as a guy who everyone said was a complete package defensively.
0: You know, I, I go back to and I think of Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper in that home run derby at nationals park so maybe this is a perfect opportunity for him to find his bat again like he was in 2019 and just kind of relive that battle that he had and listen the more home runs the better man because we all know chicks dig the long ball chase you know that
2: <laughs> yeah and now you've got soto schwarber and bell in the middle of your lineup and turner yeah. can hit some power for some power and he can get his bat Stop it. You always have there. to do this. You but always as far have to crowbar is... in Carter Keeboom. Hey, a little bit later on, David Martinez had some interesting thoughts on what it might look like on opening day. Carter Keeboom was in there. I'll just say that, Nick. Of course he was. There's a little bit of a tease here. But uh, yeah, you know, this actually kind of plays into my theory of the Nationals potentially putting together a roster just to troll Bryce Harper. Put Remember, the they already have back on the Striklin. They've got a relief. They've got a reliever in their system named Harper, Ryan Harper, who when he's in the majors, wears the number 33? I mean, come on here. Uh, now they're getting the guy who was second in that home run derby. A lot of Cubs fans thought uh, Bryce Harper cheated. I look back on this. You know, Bryce Harper's dad was throwing him pitches before his previous homers uh, hit the ground. That was against the rule. Now all they have to do, uh, JT Real Muto, and trade for Chris Ryan and get Chase and Shreve, those are his two good friends uh, from growing up in Las Vegas, And they will have completed the roster that would troll Bryce Harper perfectly as their rival now with the Phillies. But um, in all seriousness, this does bring back to light that incredible night. uh, Harper and Schwarber. Uh, For people who don't remember, Bryce Harper had hit nine homers in one minute to tie Schwarber, and then he hit a walk-off in the bonus round. And now Schwarber, who was absolutely mashing homers that night, gets to call Nationals Park his home.
0: You Might have heard dogs barking in the background. If you did, no, that's life. This is what 2020 and beyond is like. I, we look back, we see first base and left field appear to not, be settled. Not my dogs.
2: They, you, no, you, yeah, you we know because you just cat, have
0: a thousand right? cats crawling all over your head there. That's usually how that works for you. <laughs> you're the crazy cat guy on the podcast. First base and left field look like they're settled for the Nationals. So I feel I do, I do, feel good at least that some of these moves have been made. But they're certainly still some additions that need to happen I, I worry about I worry about the back end of the rotation chase that that's really something that I look I don't know what they're going to do I don't know how much money they're willing to spend but it is it has been a it has been a question mark throughout this entire offseason and is I, I here's one thing though I will say that the fact that it's at least been slower means that there's a good chance that later in the offseason there will be guys willing to take more of these Kyle Schwarber like deals where it's a one-year, prove-it kind of contract, and then they get an opportunity maybe to fill a couple of spots of need for a little bit cheaper and with less commitment like they've already done now.
2: Yeah, when you make that point, it makes me wonder, like, how long will they wait for prices to drop? Uh, Because that does really come into focus now is the number one need. You know, they've addressed first base. They've addressed left field. Now they need a, a fourth starter, and pretty badly. Um, you know, maybe they add a catcher to the mix. I don't know. They've got Jan Gomes, uh, Kurt Suzuki. They let go into free agency. They've got Trace Barrera and Wellington Castillo, but they could add depth to those, that mix the, neither of those guys are going to give you that high of a ceiling. Um, and then I think generally speaking, they need to add some more pieces to their bench. Um, right now, if you look at the depth chart, according to fan graphs, uh, it's Trace Barrera, uh, Trace Barrera. Luis Garcia, Jake Knoll, Josh Harrison, and Andrew Stevenson. And there's some options there, you know, especially for defense. Uh, You could argue for base running as well. Um, You got, you got some versatility, but in terms of a pinch hitter, you know, late innings, it's ninth, 10th inning, and you need someone who's got some pop. I don't really know who you turn to. They need a power bat. They need someone who could potentially back up Bell at first base. Uh, And that makes me wonder if they'll turn to someone who, uh, who whose name rhymes with Zion
0: Rimmerman <laughs> you,
2: we you say that again how does it rhyme Zion Rimmerman
0: yeah mm, you're close close enough <laughs> all right well we're gonna head to Chicago next and talk to David Kaplan of NBC Sports Chicago and get a little more into what we're getting in DC with Kyle Schwarber And we bring in David Kaplan now of NBC Sports Chicago. And let's just start a big picture with Kyle Schwarber. What can Nats fans expect from him as a player and as just a clubhouse guy?
1: Uh, I'll take the second part first. As a clubhouse guy, he's the best. You're not going to find a better person uh, than Kyle Schwarber. He is accessible. He is honest. If the game goes well, he'll stand there and answer your questions. But if the game goes badly or he doesn't play well, He'll still stand there and answer your questions. No matter how tough things get, he loves pressure. You saw him in the 2016 World Series. Uh, This is an awesome, awesome dude. Very involved in the community. Made a lot of inroads with the police community in Chicago for different suburbs and the city of Chicago for first responders. Now, as a player, you're going to get a guy that he can break a game open with one swing, man. I don't care how hard you're throwing. He can take 100 miles an hour and hit it nine miles. He's also a guy that we all thought was going to be much more of a hitter for average. And I know the stat geeks are going to go, "Who cares about batting average?" Well, when you hit 188, it's easy to say that. Uh, for some reason, he just has not been as good as we had hoped in terms of a contact guy. So again, he could hit 45 bombs for you. He could strike out a bunch. There'll be times he's going to roll over ground balls. You'll be like, really? You couldn't just hit it the other way. So that will be frustrating. As an outfielder, he works incredibly hard to be incredibly average, but he's better than people will give him credit for.
2: He hit 38 homers two years ago, and the Cubs had to non-tender him to let him go. He said that was sort of a gut punch when he heard the news. So maybe you touched on this, but why did they let him go? Why did the Cubs let him go if he's uh, still a pretty good player in his prime?
1: couple things one cubs have been over the luxury tax the last two years if you go three years into luxury tax the penalties are so onerous lose draft picks 50 percent penalty that you pay that they had to get under the luxury tax that's one number two since 2016 17 17 they lost in the nlcs to the dodgers 18 they lose in a wild card game. 19, they don't even make the playoffs. 2020, 60 game season, he's not very good. The team's not very good. They had to get payroll off. They didn't want to pay him $10 million, and they had to break up their core. He may go into Washington, and you look and go, oh my goodness, we signed a guy for $10 million bucks. He hit 45 bombs, he hit 260. Great dude it would be an amazing signing. He also might hit 188 with 22 bombs, and you go, yeah, okay, not good enough. Good guy, not good enough.
0: You know, he's reuniting too with Davey Martinez, and I know he said the Nationals were his number one destination that he wanted to go to. I think it's probably safe to assume, right, that the fact that Martinez is in D.C. probably helped with that decision.
1: hundred percent. Davey's an awesome guy, awesome. I got to work with him pretty closely. You know, over the time he was here with Joe Madden, Davey is an awesome, awesome person. And Kyle made it clear because I know the White Sox kicked the tires. I know the Yankees kicked the tires. Davey Martinez helped get that thing over the finish line for you guys.
2: Now, Schwarber has left and signed with Washington. But a lot of people are wondering, is this just the beginning or in the early stages of a bigger tear down for the Cubs. Do you think that is the course that they're going on right now?
1: It's a great question. So when the Cubs met the media at the end of the season, post Theo, he had already had his goodbye press conference at Jed Hoyer's officially, who's a great guy, uh, officially named as the team president. The question was asked to Tom Ricketts about the teardown. And he said, nobody's tearing anything down. Well, I will argue with Mr. Ricketts that you got rid of Kyle Schwarber and got nothing in return. You traded the second, uh, the runner-up to the Cy Young, and got two 17-year-olds, an 18-year-old, and a journeyman pitcher. And now they're talking about trading either Chris Bryant or Wilson Contreras to move even more money. Also, Tyler Chatwood came off the books, 13 million. John Lester came off the books after buyout. I mean, there's a lot of cash coming off the books for a team that says they're trying to compete. I haven't seen any signings coming in.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because there's clearly something going on there just by you laying that out alone. And we hear names like Chris Bryan and Wilson Contreras mentioned a lot. What are their futures in Chicago?
1: Uh, If they trade Wilson and Jed Hoyer pushed back at a Bob Nightingale tweet that Wilson's being uh, uh, you know, uh, offered around the league. Jed said that is so far-fetched and not true. It's pure speculation. But I can tell you, I've talked to two different general manager friends who have said, oh, yeah, yeah we can get him, but the price is going to be extraordinary. His money is not onerous. It's not, oh, my God, what a contract like Jason Hayward's deal. He only got two more years of commitment, and he's in arbitration. So you Any team could handle his money. But if you want Wilson Contreras, you're getting an incredibly passionate player, a guy who's been a two time All Star starter the last two years. He might have the best arm in the National League. He's a guy that can, you know, offensively be a real force in your lineup. A couple years ago, he was being touted for an MVP and then got injured in August. So, again, they want to make some prudent deals to get young inexpensive talent in here to start a retooling i just don't think they're going to give him away because the savings is not that massive now chris bryant this is a guy who was an all-star in 2019 he was the mvp in 16 he was the rookie of the year in 15 his analytics will tell you he was better at 17 than he was at 16 when he won the mvp and we won the world series in 2020 he couldn't stay healthy I think he had seven more RBIs than the three of us combined. So he's going to get $20 million in arbitration. The Cubs want that money off the books. So whether it's Washington or the Yankees or whoever it is, you may stumble into a guy in the walk year of his contract who could be an MVP. He's that talented, but if he can't stay healthy and he's had that problem, you might be paying $20 million for a really average player.
2: Even if we had RBIs, Nick would argue that they didn't count because he's one of those asterisk people about the 2020 season. Nothing counts in 2020.
0: (laughs) It doesn't exist. It never (laughs) happened. There
4: you
2: go. There you go. As as far as Chris Bryant goes, uh, Nationals uh, president Mike Rizzo has already thrown water on the idea. Obviously, they were linked to Chris Bryant earlier in the offseason. But... You know, the Cubs are a big market team. They're probably their fans are probably not used to seeing their players uh, go elsewhere because they can't afford them or they want to tear it down. What do you think the reaction would be if he did go to Washington and reunited with Schwarber and David Martinez as they're kind of collecting Cubs at this moment?
1: Uh, I would tell you that the fan base would be outraged. Now, would I trade Chris Bryant? Yeah, I would in a second. I don't think he's a $20 million player. Now, again, You might stumble into a guy in the final year of his contractual commitments. And he might hit 35 bombs with 110 knocked in and hit 280, and play not gold glove defense, but really solid defense. And he's another awesome, awesome guy in your room. He's great. He's the nicest guy in the world. He works at it. He, there's not a downside to Chris Bryant. If you've got that kind of money to take that risk, um, Look, Cubs fans still pine for the days of Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. <laughs> I have no problem with them making tough decisions that might lead to brighter days ahead. I just can't give Chris Bryant. Look, this is a guy who has denied to the media, and I can promise you, with one hundred percent certainty, he turned out two hundred and twenty five million dollars after the World Series. Because he's got wow. Scott Boris, and Scott's a great agent. But he's not a hundred percent right all the time and chris is never ever going to get that money again never so again, he's a really nice guy he might might turn it around if he could stay healthy i wouldn't pay him 20 million bucks
2: final question for you it wasn't the same drought that we went through in washington but you know it had been since 1924 since a baseball team representing DC won a World Series in 2019. How long does the honeymoon phase last? You said Cubs fans are still kind of riding high after that 2016 World Series. How long can we wait, expect for this, this high to last? It wears off.
1: You're talking about for your Nationals fan base?
2: Generally speaking, yeah. We're not used to titles in this town. And we got one with the Caps, we got one with the Nats. And I think people are still happy about that. but. I'm just always fascinated to go, when do fans start to sort of clamor for their team to win again?
1: The next season? (laughs) 100%. Like, like our fan base, I'm telling you, and I know the Ricketts, they're good people. I'm telling you, our fan base despises them. We have a general manager of our hockey team. We won three Stanley Cups in the last 10 years. People are livid he hasn't been fired. So... I'm just, that's just a fact. It's just where it is. People are, what did you do for me lately? What do you mean that you can't sign Bryce Harper when he hits free agency and his dog is named Wrigley? What do you mean we're not going to go after this guy or that guy because they're too expensive? You charge the second highest ticket prices in baseball here. You have spent a billion dollars renovating Wrigley Field and bought up the entire neighborhood. It's really not Wrigleyville anymore. It's Rickettsville. What do you mean you can't go out and compete and get players? People are living. And your fan base, if they end up saying, guess what, we can't re-sign Max Scherzer and we can't replace him and we're going to get rid of this guy and that guy, I'm just telling you, your fan base will revolt just like ours.
0: I'll tell you what, right now we're still basking in it, but if things continue with the Nationals, like the way they went last year, which again is a year that I totally forget about and it doesn't exist, uh, you, you will start to hear a lot more of that. David, great stuff, man. I know you got a ton going on up there in Chicago, so good luck sorting through it all. Thanks for coming on with us.
1: Anytime, call anytime. I love talking baseball and sports, so whatever you guys need, I'm always here for you.
2: Definitely will. Thanks, man. See ya. Thanks a lot now we're joined on the Nationals Talk podcast by Tracy Smith, the head coach at Arizona State, who was previously at Indiana and coached Kyle Schwarber before he was the number four overall pick in the MLB draft. Tracy, you have known Kyle for a long time. What can you tell us about who he's become over the years?
3: Well, I mean, I think that you could go two ways, certainly with that. You can go on the human part of it, just who he is as a person. And then you could go from certainly the, the – um, the development of a baseball player so i'll tackle the first one first i mean we have history that my wife's from his hometown so when you say we've known him for a long time absolutely and he's not changed i think that's the biggest and best thing is is he is he's the same the humility that he brings and the presence that he has and when you're around him anybody's around him for 5 minutes you're like this is just a really good guy and i and i think that's a rare quality sometimes when you're talking about uh, you know, people in spotlight or that have a little bit of fame from a, just a development standpoint. I mean, we knew he was special from the beginning, a little recruiting story with him. I can remember. And again, Kyle was not a big heavily recruited guy out of high school because he was a football guy. You know, there were a lot of schools that were pursuing him as a, as a division one football player linebacker. But when I went to see him the first time um, and we hadn't offered him yet, I go to the game and he hits one, It's a home run, left field, center field, and right field. And it was like, okay, you know, that's a guy. So you knew he was special. He would do things just from a power standpoint um, that just normal guys don't do, and I would say that. But beyond all of that, and this is what the Nationals are going to find out, and they already know or they wouldn't have signed him because I have heard all the stuff that here's a guy that gets a huge contract in a COVID year. And you look at just strictly his numbers and say, well, how does that happen? Well, what analytics don't tell you, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the side of the fence you fall on, it's where our game's going. He makes a difference by just being in the locker room. you know. And if you talk to the people back in Chicago, they would tell you that um, he's just a winner and, and – and, He's great for the clubhouse. He's going to make the team better simply by being in the locker room. So whatever that value is, I think that's reflected in the contract that he had. But he's also going to hit. I mean, I'm not, not worried about that. So he's just he's, – he's, he's, he's what he – I don't know if you spent time with him or if you talked to him, but he's exactly who he appears to be. He's a humble guy. He's a talented guy, but he just wants to win. Team success. When you mention the
2: effect he can have on a clubhouse, how do you think the Nats will see that in his first season, given he's going to be going into a new team and a new environment where he isn't an established leader yet?
3: Oh, but, that, but that's the beautiful part of him, and what they'll find out is, is that he's not going to go in that clubhouse and be like, hey, man, I'm the guy. Listen to me. He's got a great demeanor about him where he's going to defer to the guy that owned that clubhouse or whatever, and that's the special quality that he has he's that that will endear him to others because he'll let that I I, I would anticipate that he's going to let that leadership or that experience grow organically he's not going to force it because it, it goes back to what the, the first part of what I was saying about the family and the upbringing I mean that's just who he is and he's not let the fame and you know all of those things go to his head like he wants to win he wants to be a part of something special and, he, and he's not going to force it. And he's always done that. I've not, you know, um, I've not witnessed personally anything different than that. It was neat, you know, going to the wedding, uh, you know, last year and just seeing the variety of people throughout that. And yes, a lot of the, his teammates with the Cubs were there, but so, but at the, the wedding was made up with his high school friends, you know, so you look at a guy that's traveled the path that he's traveled, but yet he still goes back to his roots. And I think that's pretty cool.
2: Okay let's go back a little bit you recruited Kyle to Indiana University how did he get on your radar and how did your relationship with him begin?
3: Yeah and a really close person to Kyle and his family is a guy named Freddie Norai and, and Freddie coached with me and his sons played for me but was from Middletown Ohio also and when Kyle was younger I think I was you know I was coaching you know, at Indiana at the time and Freddie would call me and he's like Tracy you got to come see this this Schwarber guy man like you know and if you've ever talked, I would recommend you need to have Freddie on your podcast or your thing sometime. He'd liven it up because he knows him as well as anybody, but Mm -hmm. he just kept saying, you got to come see this guy He's doing things that are different. And that's kind of how it all, how the introduction to him got started. But as I said, my wife's hometown is the same middletown. It's not, it's a, it's a city, but it's not a big city. So everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. Kyle's father was the police chief. And so we'd already had a little bit of a family history with him anyway but it was instant. I mean, the instant that he stepped on campus, the things that he was doing were different, were different.
2: You said he was different.
3: How did you see that
2: when he came into your program? Do you have a story that illustrates how he separated himself from the other guys?
3: Yeah. I mean, I could go to the weight room, you know, think about like, like they were trying to get him because that coach Heppner, Terry Heppner was the, the coach at the time. And they were transitioning football staff, and Kyle was doing ridiculous stuff in the weight room that even their football guys weren't doing. Um, but I remember one time we're throwing uh, – I was throwing batting practice to him on the field, and he walked me around the park hitting home runs. And what was the, the most interesting piece of that was is sometimes guys will call their shot, like they'll throw a home run – or they'll throw a pitch and they'll hit a home run. But, like, he would literally tell me where he's going to hit it as he's swinging and he walked me from left field all the way around the park and did that. And there was another time, like Darren Erstad, if you remember the name Darren Erstad, a player, and he was coaching at Nebraska at the time. And we were at Nebraska and, and Schwarber hit this mammoth, I mean mammoth home run there. And I came walking in the park the next day and, and Erstad catch me he goes, Hey, I know I'm not supposed to like root for guys on the other team, but he goes, man, when you see stuff like that, that's, You just don't see every day. He goes, I actually kind of appreciated that too, but he just, he would do stuff like that all the time. I mean, it was, it was pretty, uh, you just knew it was different. It sounded different and it looked different.
2: How much time have you been able to spend with him since he's uh, gone on to the major leagues and, and you of course have moved on to Arizona state.
3: Yeah. I mean, with their spring training, you know, their spring training site is not too far from our our stadium here in Tempe. And I think the last uh, gosh, when, this was recently, I mean, before, uh, God, I don't want to say it, a couple months ago, we came out to the house and he and his wife, and, Yeah, we just, you know, had dinner and I won't tell you the, the, the karaoke stuff that we did. We'll leave that private, but, uh, you know, but yeah, he's, he's been really good about staying in touch on that stuff and never, again, never forgetting his roots. I know he's building a, a, a home, currently building a home back in Middletown, Ohio as well. So yeah, we we've stayed in touch through that.
0: Chase, one of the things I love about David Kaplan is that it's not very hard to fire him up, which is clearly
2: what we got uh, there. So, <laughs> yeah, do you think, <laughs> do you think the Nats we fans have are gonna, the better? Do you think Nats fans are going to have that edge that he says that there is in Chicago? I know Chicago's a little bit different of a sports town. Um, it doesn't sound like Nats fans, but who knows? Once you get a taste of World Series, surely you want another one.
0: I feel like Nats fans are the nicest fans out of all of the fan bases in D.C., so oh, no, no question. I don't feel that way at all. Like there's such an appreciation for winning a world series that it's like, yeah, we're good for, it. not that Nats fans don't want more. Like we want more world series, but like there's still just like an appreciation for having one already and having gone through that parade. Uh, Davey Martinez was on MLB network radio and he, he Jim Bowden asked him about his, what his lineup would be. He straight up gave the lineup already chase. Now this clearly could change because we hope there's still some more additions to this roster, but What he gave out was Turner, Soto, Turner, by the way, try saying Turner and Soto back to back. It's one of those tongue twisters that (laughs) just makes you feel like a, like a slur, like, like you're drunk. Like you just can't say your, can't say my words. Turner, Soto, Bell, Schwarber, actually all of those together, tongue twisters, Castro, Gomes, Robles, your guy, Keeboom. And then whoever, you know, the starting pitcher. What
2: what was that last one?
0: Yeah, that's a guy named Keeboom who doesn't belong in the majors, Chase, in case you're wondering. (laughs) They're crowbarring him in there because they have no other options, but I do. Yeah. This was Juan
2: Soto batting second is an interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it, it it does make sense. You know, I'm not someone who usually like quibbles with lineups. Uh, Obviously there's some people in the media that love to do that. (laughs) And and I I don't fault them. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's your best hitter. So you want to move him up in the order to give him as many plate appearance appearances as possible. And, not high enough to move Trey Turner out of the the leadoff spot because Trey Turner profiles so perfectly for that position as a guy who can get on base and be a threat on the base pass. So you've got Turner Soto and then Bell and Schwarber are going to be in the middle. I mean, that's what you usually do with guys who hit 37, 38 bombs. Mm -hmm. Castro. I like is the the fifth uh, person in the lineup. And then after that, you got some question marks, uh, which you do in most lineups. But um, I think that's going to be a question for this team is what does the depth look like in the second half of their order? you know, Victor Robles, Carter Keboom, uh, those guys have shown flashes in Robles in particular, but they've got to be better offensively so that you don't uh, have the ability to pitch around the guys in the middle of the order to get to them. Uh, I think it's gonna be interesting to see who starts opening day. I mean, right now I would say Max Scherzer, but the question for several years running has been, you know, will Steven Strasburg start opening day again? You know, at, at some point it'll likely happen, but he had that injury last year. So there's a a big question mark there. So I would guess Scherzer's going to be that guy right now. I I don't think Corbin's going to really have an opportunity there. Uh, Scherzer was their best pitcher last year and given Strasburg, uh, we don't know if he's healthy. I I can't pencil him in there quite yet.
0: Yeah. And I don't think it's really hard to argue against Scherzer, as long as he's healthy, even though like, would anybody really complain if it's Strasburg? I, I, I don't think so. But you know, you, you mentioned Victor Robles and I just, He's so frustrating he's one of those players I mean we think back to the hype and five tool guy and was supposed to come up and be able to do everything for this team defensively yeah he's been great but he just leaves so much to be desired at the plate I just I hate seeing him so far down in the lineup because that's just a testament to the type of type of player he's
2: been when it comes to his at bats so far. Yeah you're really hoping that he doesn't become a guy who can only play defense. Yeah. And can't bring offense. You know, some people. they
0: got a bunch of guys that can hit, but can't play defense. And then he's the opposite. It's like, can we get really anybody else that can put it all together? Well, that does give
2: you some balance. You know, if you're looking at your outfield, him and Schwarber kind of equal each other out, right? Yeah. Schwarber's not going to give you much defensively. Robles can help him out in that regard by covering more ground and center and and maybe scaling uh, towards left field a little bit. And then Schwarber can pick up some slack in the lineup. So there is some balance there. But uh, Victor Robles, for his long-term future, he's going to have to show more offensively, I think, to carve out a long career in the majors, at least as a starter. It, he, he's done enough, I think, to prove himself to have a roster spot for a long time. But certainly, uh, he's got to show more if he wants to earn, you know, a big contract in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think even like a Michael A. Taylor at times, we just struck out all yeah. the time, but would make great plays in the outfield.
2: But as you saw, you know, your defense can only carry you so far. I mean, yeah. Michael A. Taylor was an unbelievable defensive player. As good as Robles, you could say. But yeah. uh, never put the offense all the way together unless it was the postseason and the biggest moments because he always came through. Right,
0: low. right. But when you're a liability every single, you know, at, you know, at bat, it, it it makes it a lot harder to justify that everyday position for you when you can't do both. So, yeah, I think this is a big season for Victor Robles. I'd, I really would just be – ecstatic and i think everybody in the fan base would be to see him improve and just see him grow as a player and really be a little bit
2: something better in terms of just not just defense alone some collection of their young guys you know robles uh even though he's more established i throw him in the same group as key Boom and also luis garcia uh if two of those guys become like legitimate big leaguers that can be relied on offensively and defensively this year the nationals are going to be pretty good
0: yeah, I, uh, I feel good about this lineup, though, where it is. Like it, It's definitely an improvement, at least when it comes to power over last season, which I, I know that's not saying much, but it
2: definitely says something, especially seeing Soto be more protected in the lineup, too. They've got power. They've got speed. I think they've got balance. Uh, they should be able to get on base. Uh, you know, I mentioned the, the they were already good last year, even with all their changes and all their uh, issues, it, it making contact and getting on base for the most part. Um, it's going to come down to depth and health. You know, when you look at depth in a lineup and you just ponder what it looks like when you remove a big bat or two or three, then things get pretty hairy. So I think that's why you look at the bench and, you know, certainly the fourth starter is a big need and maybe they could add to their bullpen, but they need to make some more, you know, secondary tertiary moves on that bench and and just make sure that if someone goes down for 20 to 40 games and they're in good shape, because we all know they don't have the farm system at the moment, at least particularly when it comes to position players, that guys are just waiting in the wings.
0: Yeah, yeah, That's, that used to be the day. That's not how it is anymore. The only thing, Chase, I think that would make this lineup just a little bit better is moving the starting pitcher
2: ahead of Carter Keyboom,
0: and then I think it's a much better lineup.
2: Hey, you might see that. That's uh, that's the Joe Madden school of thought. And right. We've seen David Martinez do that at times, uh, not as often, but yeah, maybe we'll see.
0: <laughs> I meant more of just because Carter Keyboom's terrible, but that's fine. You know, if you want to actually <laughs> make this serious chase and take away the fun out of it, that's fine. Just suck the fun and suck the life out of my joke. Uh, I will start you up first, sir. You can walk us off.
2: Yeah, my walk off uh, today is that for the first time in my life, I think I consider myself a fan of Italian food. Uh, and it's because How of would the Sopranos. How could you not have been, been a fan of it before? It's, it's because of the Sopranos, man. Uh, I, I never liked it all that much previously. Like my favorite types of food have generally been like Middle Eastern food, Mexican food. I love Vietnamese food, uh, American food generally. Never been an Italian guy. Uh, I don't have any Italian in my blood. And I've always just thought it was kind of the same stuff, like repackaged. It's just sauce and noodles. And like, I don't like spaghetti. So therefore, I don't like other things that are basically the same things that are just repackaged. I generally like every type of food, but I just have never been the type of person who like craves Italian food, but I'm watching the Sopranos. I'm almost done with the entire series and all they do is eat pizza, pasta, and cured meats and it's rubbed off on me and it's entirely due to James Gandolfini, uh, RIP. T-Mac, you can uh, can unmute your mic for this. T-Mac, who's producing this, (laughs) is
0: is scoffing at your take on food right there. (laughs)
4: <laughs> i just asked did worm enter the chat
0: yeah i that was oh, one of the no. food takes <laughs> oh my god some of the yeah. worst food takes ever there good lord
2: for, for listeners out there he just cited a guy we work with who literally can't taste anything so yeah. he like eats weird foods because he doesn't have the sense of taste that's <laughs> that's hitting me low team
0: well listen i think you deserved it considering you just said it's sauce and noodles and that's it i mean the the insulting things you said were just listen yeah, i that, uh, yeah that's
2: almost that's almost as bad as saying I'm like Grant Paulson who never tried a taco until he was 25.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, the, the whole not trying tacos thing is a little ridiculous. Um, I will say this when it comes to food, and this can just be my walk-off. I don't really care. Uh, last weekend, I ate more wings than I've ever eaten in my life. I did wings two nights in a row, Saturday, two days in a row, Saturday and Sunday for all the, all the playoff games. Nice. I, 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 can, I there, is, there are certain foods that I could never get tired of. barbecue. And wings are at the very top of that list. And maybe sushi, because there's so much variety. There's so many different things you can have. As much as I love pizza, there's like, I'm not into like the fancy pizzas. I don't want white pizza. Ugh, I don't need arugula on my pizza. I want simple, traditional, New York style pizza. That's all that I need. But when it what comes- What kind to of wings? When it, comes, when it comes to wings, oh, I'll do barbecue, do buffalo, um, like a garlic Parmesan is a really good one. Lemon pepper, always a good one. Um, I'm trying to think teriyaki is good Asian zing and different places have different names or different styles for them but I'm telling you man I could eat wings all the time I love it
2: best wings in the DC area in my opinion bonchan of course
0: yes uh,
2: glory wings from glory days are unbelievable yep. and I would say the hot wings at tombs which if you go to Clyde's it's the same thing but uh, we, we can't talk about wings and not have T-Mac weigh in he's from Buffalo
4: this is true I mean, I'm pretty traditional, uh, and there, if, if anybody ever takes a trip out to Frederick, there's now an anchor bar location in Frederick, which anchor bar is the, uh, home of the chicken wing. Um, and it's, OG. It, as far as like chicken wings are, cause I call them chicken wings. I don't call them Buffalo wings. I call yeah. them, um, <laughs> like hilarious. anchor bar is like, it's not the best you can get in Buffalo, but it's the best you can get outside mm-hmm. of Buffalo. Oh, like that's kind of my go-to uh, around here. Uh, I got those Saturday night after the- By Bulls the way, congratulations. <laughs> that's, congratulations. A, that's a, bu-
0: yeah, you Bills fans, you you deserve it. And I know you were worried about having a horrible weekend if they lost. So I know
4: you had a great weekend. Well, we've just maybe pushed the horrible weekend
0: seven days. <laughs> well, with that attitude, why don't you be a Saturday little more night. positive, you big baby? <laughs>
4: You're talking to a buffalo fan like you're talking to well, a hey,
2: Washington fan I don't, I don't, don't want to hear it as much as anybody I, I don't want hey, to hear it speaking of buffalo usually a forward pass is supposed to be illegal right <laughs> you're
4: I'll, just going to get removed from the chat now
0: yes. <laughs> so I'll say this there's a place there's a place in Falls Church called Open Road Grill and their wings they only do them in like appetizers so you only get like six at a time but they are the crispiest most amazing wings that you could possibly find i love them and an underrated one if you like smoked wings there's two there's one in the annapolis area called chads which they do the best smoked wings and urban barbecue which you can get i think it was like a, one in rockville there's a bunch of different ones but those are more like barbecue kind so if you want like the other flavors they don't do as much of those but those are some good like underrated places for wings too but damn it now i'm hungry any more wings chase i'm gonna order more wings this weekend i think <laughs> I, have to.
2: I need to try anchor bar it sounds like it's worth the job yeah
0: yeah i have um i i've heard that place is really good too all right uh, if you have not subscribed to the national talk podcast do it we won't make you hungry every single time only just some of the times give chase and i a follow on all of the socials as well we will be back next week and we'll talk to you then